0: Welcome to Apostolic Perspectives, where the faith is raw, the exploits are radical, and the conversation is real. Prepare your life to be activated in the supernatural and your heart to be inspired to love as your host, Mike Brewer, shares stories from around the world. Enjoy today's episode and make sure to connect with us on all social media platforms. Hey guys, and welcome to Apostolic Perspectives. I'm Mike Brewer, I'm your host. We're going to do another quick, deep dive today. I'm going to kick us off in a review of Ephesians chapter 4. It declares, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith— and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ today we're going to be talking about captured by the voice of god when the voice of god speaks to you just like it spoke to me those 20 something years ago while i was asleep at 2 or trying to sleep at 2:30 in the morning i was captivated by his voice yes i had a wheel that I had to learn to yield to the Lord but his voice captivated me. There's never been a doubt since that day that God had called me. I knew he had called me. The question was would I fulfill that calling? Would I would he give me the grace to yield my life unto him? I want to take us back to Isaiah chapter 6 and a very familiar passage that many of you are aware of. But I want to just return us back to the foundation of the call of God. It's not something that we take on ourselves. It's not a good idea that we just, uh, just choose to step into. It is not a career choice. We're not called by mom, dad, grandfather, grandmother. A man can't call us. God must call us if we are to step into these one of these five-fold ministry callings. It is his choice. We don't get a say in the matter. We just get to accept that calling or deny that calling. But Isaiah chapter 6, we have some insight into a man that was called of God. Let's read that. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I want you to put yourself... In the prophet's position at that moment, he saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. When you see the Lord... When you look into his eyes, when you are captivated because you have heard his voice, it begins to position you in this role, in this function. It, it, it establishes that he is the Christ, the Son of God, the Mighty One, the Great I Am. It is him, and we are called to serve him. He is not, he is not serving our purposes but we are serving Him. It goes on to say in verse 3, And they were calling to one another, speaking of the, uh, of the angels, the seraphim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And it goes on in verse 4, And the sound of their voices, their doorposts, the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. This is where Isaiah got his calling. He was in this glorious throne room, if you will. He was in the presence of the Lord. He was in the presence of the holy angels and the holy angels crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. I want you to think about if God was to drop you in that place right now for a moment. Think about when God called you. Think about if he were to call you, even while we're on this podcast, if he was to speak with you and place you in the very presence of his glory, in the very presence to where his voice thunders forth, in the very presence where it causes you to tremble. Verse five, it says his first response, Isaiah's first response, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. When he found himself in the very presence of God, in the very presence of his glory, in the very presence to where the place was shaking and the sound of the seraphim crying, holy is the Lord, he cried out, woe is me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord, Almighty. This positions one that is called of God. The night, that 2.30 in the morning, if you haven't heard that story, if you haven't listened to part one of School of the Apostleship, make sure you go back and hear my testimony of when God called me. I wailed, I groaned deep within me. There was such a fear rising up out of me, but God did the calling. Just like Isaiah, woe to me, I am ruined. Life was forever changed the day that God called me into ministry. It was not about me. There wasn't a, a how can I use this to get ahead? How can I build a name for myself? I felt like the prophet did here I am ruined. I am ruined to the ordinary. I am ruined to church entity. I am ruined to a Sunday morning uh, service as if that is the highlight of my walk. My eyes beheld the king. I heard him speak to me. And I cried out like the prophet did. Life is forever changed. Guys, if you if you are called of God, you must have a testimony to where you are captivated by him. His glory has overwhelmed you. You know this thing is not about you. You know that you cannot fulfill God's call by your own strength. We are weakened by his call. We are, we are broken By his call, we know that we are an ordinary people that is touched by an extraordinary God who empowers us to step into something that we have never known once he has called us. In verse six, it goes on. Then one of the seraphim flew with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar with it, with the hot coal, he touched my mouth. And said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. This was a further encounter to where the fire of God, a coal from the fire of God, was placed in this prophet's mouth. And when your testimony, when you have had a call from God, it is as if he literally takes that and puts it in your mouth. Your words begin to be changed. You know that, that there is a truth that must come forth out of your mouth, and you cannot contaminate the words that flow out of your mouth, for very, those very words are to be born of God in line with the Scripture. Verse 80 said, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? He heard the voice. He was captivated by the voice. The voice spoke two questions, and there was a response that rose up out of Isaiah that declared, Here I am. Send me. Send me send me. When you're called of God, you you volunteer. He activates you, but he puts within you a desire to serve him. He puts within you a desire to go and to speak to the people, as he said in verse 9, go and tell this people. Those words that God spoke to the prophet, there was something on those words that came to the prophet, went within the prophet, and it compelled the prophet to go forth to tell the people, to speak to the people, captivated by the voice of God to walk as an apostle, to walk as a prophet, to walk as a pastor, a teacher, an evangelist. You must be captivated by the voice of God. If you've not heard the voice of God, I doubt that there is a call of God to one of these offices, to one of these ministries, to one of these functions. Whatever you call that, you must hear the voice of God. You must learn to live a life that is led by the Spirit of God. Yes, the Word of God, you must learn the Word Word of God, you must understand the Word of God. You must comprehend the Word of God. But a lost man can learn the Word of God. A lost man can can understand the Word of God. A lost man can understand the historical context of the Word of God. But a lost man cannot be led by the Spirit of God, and that is what sets us apart. That God Himself comes to dwell within us, but not only dwell within us, but to baptize us and fill us with his holy spirit and to transform us as a witness to the resurrected Christ there's an encounter with god if you're called with god, called of god there will be an encounter When we read of these men and these women in the scripture, they had encounters with God, and that's what drove them to no longer be ordinary, but to be extraordinary. God anointed them with supernatural power, signs, and wonders to demonstrate that he was the king. Samuel chapter 16, the prophet had came to Jesse, and he said, bring your sons before me. And in verse 10, it said, Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel, the prophet, said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And he said, "There's still the youngest son, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him, and we will not sit down until he arrives. Now, I want you to think of this jesse the father obviously did not see anything in david he did not think that god would have chosen his youngest son he was overlooked they didn't want to bring him out of the fields to even stand before the prophet but the prophet looks at the other sons and says god's not chosen these do you not have more so they send for david In verse 12, they sent for him and brought him in, and he was glowing with health and a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said to Samuel, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. God chooses those whom he calls now we're all called to be sons and daughters please i'm not i'm not taking that away we're all called to be sons and daughters of god to be born again we're all called to demonstrate the power of the spirit of god we're all called to signs and wonders and miracles and healings and deliverances that's that's the normal everyday believer to walk in the supernatural power, we're all called to be a witness. We're all called to testify. We're all called to share the gospel. Every person that is born again, we're all called to those things. But there are those in the body that God specifically chooses to function as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, And teachers. These are not something we choose for ourselves. Please understand me. Just because you have an understanding of how to build a social media platform doesn't mean you're called to one of these offices. Just because you can fund a TV show, it does not mean that you are called to one of these offices. Just because you have a huge business and great influence, it doesn't mean you're called to one of these offices. You may be elected the mayor or the governor, but it doesn't mean you're called to one of these five-fold ministries. It doesn't mean that grace has come upon you. Now, you can be any of those things and have this grace come upon you, and God has called you. God will call you forth. But you must understand it's not something that you choose. And I'm, I'm seeing this in the body of Christ and seeing so many people step up and going, I'm this, and I'm this, and I'm this. But there's, there's, there's not yet a testimony of having had this type of an encounter with God. If there is this grace upon your life, yes, you will mature in that grace. Yes, you will grow in that grace. Your function will increase, but there will be an evidence of this grace. So many people, I believe, have been duped by false prophetic words that have came from people with a lack of understanding, and they have just been prophesying that you're called as a prophet, you're called as a pastor, you're called as an evangelist, or whatever it is. And people have attempted to go read books, or go take a course, and they've attempted to begin to step into these things. Please, 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 that is bringing destruction to yourself bring destruction to your family it'll bring destruction to those that you're trying to minister to guys there is a grace that flows through you if you're an apostle there's a grace that flows through you if you're one of these five-fold ministers and without that grace you cannot do these things we are called, the five-fold ministry is called to equip the body of Christ, that the body of Christ will do the work of the ministry. So many people, they have felt the burden to do the work of the ministry, and therefore they thought that meant they're called to one of these offices. But the work of the ministry belongs to the saints of God. It is not the fivefold minister's responsibility to do the work of the ministry. It's the fivefold minister's responsibility to equip the saints that the saints do the work of the ministry. Please, if you're one of the fivefold ministers, don't try to do the ministry. That doesn't belong to you. Yes, you'll do some of those things, but the ministry belongs to the saints of God. Your role is to equip the saints that the saints of God do the work of the ministry. So there is a cost when you're called. There is a cost to following Jesus. I want to read you just a few things here out of of Luke chapter 9. And please know, you, you may say, Mike, are you trying to talk me out of being called? Listen, if I can talk you out of being called, you were not called to start with and i'm not meaning that mean or arrogant or condescending but when you could there is no one alive that could talk me out of the encounter i had at 2:30 in the morning when i heard the voice of god say i'm calling you that moment changed my destiny life everything about it changed at that moment so if i could talk you out of it you don't have it you don't have it But if you know and you are absolutely convinced and you have that fruit, there you go. A man didn't give it to you and a man can't take it away from you. Jesus is the one that gives these things. So Luke chapter 9, here's some things I want us to look at, kind of the cost of following Jesus. And it says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. That's not an unreasonable request. But look at Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury the dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That, that's, that seems very harsh. Still another one said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I do not think Jesus was being mean, but I think he was bringing a clarity that you cannot follow him by the strength of your willpower, by the power of your intellect, because you are well-learned or studied? Guys, I've watched a lot of people step up kind of spontaneously and go, I'm going to do this. And you you know that they're speaking by their own willpower, that there's not a grace there. And, And that's dangerous. We don't want that. We must recognize if there is a grace there, then, Lord, I'll follow you. If there's a grace there, I don't need a place to lay my head. If there's a grace there, I can go without looking back. man just wanted to say goodbye to his family. But then Jesus says, hey, you don't put your hand to the plow and look back. If you do that, you're not fit for service in the kingdom of God. There's a different way of life to those that are called into these functions. And I want you, if you're called into these things, to receive that burden, to to have that deep conviction that you do not live for yourself, but you live for the Christ that called you. We're going to look at John chapter 6 as I wrap up this this episode of the podcast, The School of Apostleship, part 2. John chapter 6 says this, At this time the Jews began to grumble about him, about Jesus, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 43, he says, Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. I want you to hear those words. No one can come to Jesus except the Father draws them. No one can take this call upon their self, except Jesus releases that grace into their life. In verse 48 of John chapter 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53, And Jesus said to them, Verily I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Now, you know Jesus knew this was going to be extremely offensive to the Jews, but he said it anyway. He said it in the synagogue. In verse 60 of John chapter 6, on hearing this, many of disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They're asking Jesus. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Jesus is going to say some things to you that will offend you, that will offend the very nature of who you are. It will challenge you to the very core. It will bypass your intellect because your intellect will be revolted at some of the things that he's going to ask of you. Jesus said, does this offend you? He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. You see, I watch so many in the body of Christ today try to build a following. I watch them try to try to build a ministry, try to build a platform to speak from. And they're using techniques that, that, that's learned through marketing. I'm not opposed to those things at the right time. But they're using certain techniques to, to build a following, to buy a following, if you will. And that is dangerous. That, that flies in the face of true apostolic ministry. It flies in the face of kingdom ministry. It fi- flies in the face of a fivefold minister. We understand that no one can come unless the Father has enabled them. That's why I don't teach for the masses. I don't minister for the masses. I can fly all the way to the other side of the world and I'm just looking for a few. I'm looking for who has the Father enabled. Who is the father drawing? That's why crusades do nothing for me. I'm not a crusader, if you will. I'm not opposed to those things at the proper time, but I'm going into nations and I'm looking for a handful of people. I'm saying, father, who are you branding? Who are you marking by your spirit? And I want to pluck them out. I want to pull them out and I want to pour my life into those few. You see, a true apostolic principle or a true kingdom principle starts in a seed form, it starts very small. I teach you start with the few in order to touch the many. That's what the Apostle Paul said when when he said, You are my metron, but as your faith increases, my metron will increase among you. We understand that we don't build a following, except the Father has enabled them they cannot come. In verse 66 of John chapter 6, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Can you imagine Jesus turning to them and say, are you going to leave me too? He presented the question. You see, he wasn't trying to control them. He was just looking for clarity. Are you with me? You see, they did not understand what he was saying. And Jesus knew they did not understand what he was saying. And he didn't seek to clarify his statement. He asked them a question that was going to go to the core of their commitment. Are you going to leave me too? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. That was the proper response. He wasn't seeking to understand. He said, Lord, I don't know. In in paraphrasing, Lord, I don't understand. But all I know is you have the words of life and we know that you are Christ, the Son of God. So therefore he's saying, we're not leaving. We have nowhere else to go. You have captivated us even when we don't understand. And then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you? Yet one of you is a devil. And he was speaking of Ascarius of, of Judas there. So guys, I want to leave you with this. I'm trying to challenge you. Put your calling to the test. If you don't have the grace, don't try to walk in the ministry. Don't try to walk in a ministry because it's a good idea. You must have the grace. You're going to face difficulties. You're going to face misunderstandings. You're going to face confusion. But you must be able to answer like Peter. Where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. That is the principle. There's nowhere else to go. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to Apostolic Perspectives with your host, Mike Brewer. We hope that you are blessed by listening and we encourage you to check us out on social media at Facebook.com slash Apostolic Perspectives. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to keep up with all of the latest episodes.